now you know people meeting me would have absolutely no idea and that's incredibly empowering the world whatever becomes preoccupied with what you do rather than who you are recently i sat down with sophie mccormack a great friend of mine to discuss sophie's life both before uni during and also where she is now working in london this was a pretty long chat um, with lots of really interesting topics covered So with that in mind, I've decided to split this into two episodes, with the second being released next week. In today's episode, Sophie talks about her accident towards the end of her first year at uni, and how that set the course for the rest of her life since then. This episode is about setting the scene as to who Sophie is, um, and we touch on specific coping mechanisms, and like, segueing between past events and the impact that they still have today. Before we get into it, I just want to thank Sophie for speaking so openly about this, uh, and I hope as a listener you really get a sense of who Sophie is and you enjoy this. Okay, um, hi, I'm Sophie. I don't know what to say, Shimmers. What do I say? What's interesting? Say whatever you want about yourself. How, if you had to describe yourself to someone, how would you say it? Hi, I'm Sophie. I am an Exeter alumni. Um, I did triathlon in my last couple of years at uni um, and ended up spending four four or five years at Exeter, so some would say too long. Um, I now work in national security um, and I'm still a keen runner. And how did you get into triathlon? (laughs) Um, So I was a member of the lacrosse club at university um but I largely just did it for the social reasons I'm not sure I ever played a game and I realized if I was spending that much money on a club I should really probably do some sport so I decided to start one in my final year that I'd never done before um and I was between rowing and triathlon and I flipped the coin and I chose triathlon so I started having never ridden a bike and not running further than five k. Had you done any um, sport before that? Um, so before uni, I did eventing, which is a type of horse. It's kind of like the triathlon for the horse world. Um, and I did that to DB under 21 level. Um, and I took two years out before uni to do that professionally. And then I decided that I should go to uni. So kind of kept that up alongside. How did you find um, riding at such a high level and competing while also at uni? hard I cried a lot (laughs) um I cried a lot and I'm not a crier um I loved it like it was my escape from it and like I mean like you know you compete at high level in triathlon it's like so consuming so like you know I could go out and do really fun things at uni um and then fit in a bit of studying and then like everything was about like my training the horses training the events that we were going to like the whole calendar year was planned around that so it was challenging but also quite nice because at home particularly on those two years out um the riding was so consuming that that's all I did I didn't really get to have much of a life so suddenly I could come to uni and I could go out every night um guilt-free which um <laughs> was a lot of fun. So uni was your escape rather than sport being the escape that it is for quite a lot of people. That's I'd never thought about it like that um yeah I guess a little bit um that I would have rather have been there doing the horses training every day and like you know we're all a control freak when it comes to our sports um 
so that was super hard but yeah like getting that social element and getting to like fully be myself and not have to get up at stupid o'clock and be outside 24 7 um yeah that was a really nice change so why did you stop riding um I what a complicated question I stopped riding um I stopped riding at the or was it the end of my third year I think before I went and did my master's was it so I completed in 2017 so I gave up yeah so I gave up okay Thank you. I don't think giving up is the right word. I <laughs> know, because then I chose to give it up. I gave up um, riding in my at the end of my second year. Um, so at the end of my first year, I finished my exams. And then just before all the really fun party stuff at, um, at Exeter for end of exams, I went home to compete for a weekend. I had <laughs> broken my ankle. Um, so I'd missed the first few events of the season. Um, so it was a little delayed starting in the end of May. Um, but I was at an international event and had a really bad fall on the cross country, um, which made me um, kind of hospitalised for a couple of months. And um, I had a really bad head injury. So I had to miss a year of uni. Um, and I did actually get back to competing um, and did a season. And then there was the option then to have a pretty good horse to then get back to doing it really seriously. But having worked so hard to get better, the thought of having to give up probably academics, but certainly um, like social stuff as well. Um, for me, I didn't want to make that sacrifice. So I chose uni over avenging. <laughs> so I feel like you glossed over it a little bit there, but would you be happy to talk a bit more about your fall? Yeah, so I um, had a rotational fall, which is where the horse flips and so do you. Um, and I was, it was bizarre to say fortunate, but exceptionally fortunate that I landed like a millimeter from the side of the horse. So when it flipped, it didn't land on me. Um, but I landed head first. So um, I suffered quite a few broken bones, um, some issues with my lungs, and a really bad head injury. So um, yeah, I was in hospital for a couple of months, um, including ICU, and then had the year off to well I say get better um it, head injuries is such a slow one so I slept all the time um and literally couldn't really do that much um and then even when I came back to uni I'm not sure I was quite well enough to come back um so it was kind of a gradual process of getting better over the remaining three years So we'll come back to like the long-term implications of your accident in a minute I think but did you have any immediate injuries or broken bones or anything um I had a few broken bones I break a lot of bones in my face obviously landing first um and god what else I broke my I'm breaking the stockade of my shoulder um and yeah obviously lots of bruising and stuff um and then from the head injury uh was left with bad left side of weakness so um my, yeah, I just couldn't use my left side in the same way, which has got a lot better now. Um, so it's not really that noticeable anymore. Change how you viewed things? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a it's a difficult one. So it's kind of in two parts. So like now asking me that question, one million percent, my outlook on life is um, a lot more focused. I think I'm a lot kinder to myself now because like you just I just want to enjoy life as well. 
would you say that's because of the accident or because of what you've been through post the accident? Probably the latter. Um, and, and I think it just makes you realise, though, that, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, in a different way, the pandemic showing us that at the minute, that like, you know, you've got all your life, you're worrying about all those kind of like tiny things in your life. Um, and then suddenly something can happen and it just changes everything. And so you should never live in fear of those kind of events happening. But um, my accident just made me very aware that I needed to be a lot more grateful for what I had and to kind of just like enjoy moments, not just constantly planning for the next event and planning for the next big life event, which I think we, we can all be really guilty of because we're all very you know, goal orientated and very driven people. But yeah, I think it's a bit of a line. But yeah, certainly initially I was um, pretty ill. So I don't think I've been able to process all of that stuff really until the last couple of years. And so you say that you went back to uni. Did you feel like that was sort of too quick in your recovery stage? Sort of you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, I mean, looking back, probably, probably was a little too soon. But um, again, being such a like goal orientated person um, and all the doctors were like, be realistic, you're not going to get back to uni. And like, it wasn't like trying to put a down note. It was just like, it was impossible for me to get back to uni. So I classic, light bulb went off my head and I was like, I'm going back to uni. Um, and it was just, it was just a no brainer. So it was just a kind of get through a year out and then get back to uni. And I, in my year out, I did actually come back to live in Exeter for a little bit to get used to all the social stuff because I got tired so much. Um, so it was very hard trying to deal with serious fatigue, neuro issues, how that affected all of my friendships and stuff, not really being able to drink and not really being able to go out as much. And then also trying to do sport and academics alongside it. It was just, I mean, uni is a lot for anyone. Um, but yeah, with that many deficiencies, it was, um, pretty tough, certainly a year, probably a couple of years. Was it hard coming back after having a year out sort of with different friend friendship groups and that sort of thing? Or? Um, I was quite fortunate that my like core group of best friends and actually the majority of my friends was they were doing their third year when I was in my second year. Um, so when I came, you know, when I came back, they were all there. So that wasn't such an issue. I think what was super hard was that obviously like being ill it didn't change my personality like I'm the same person now but like all the fatigue and stuff really limited me um so that it really affected my friendships loads of them um some, some have recovered some haven't um and that was super hard when you know that you're the reason why that is but like it's not technically your fault because you're sick um but yeah that was pretty challenging did you feel quite isolated through that even though all those people were still there yeah, for oh, sure. And like, yeah. And, and, you know, like if I couldn't go to loads of the events, like loads of nights out or day drinking or whatever, because I was tired so to miss a bit, um, I would obviously see on like people's Instagram stories and Snapchats what they were doing. And that's exactly how I felt when I was on my year out and I was by myself and I could see everyone being back at uni having fun. And like, it was kind of almost like a, I was kind of torturing myself always by watching those when I was on my year out and it kind of still felt like that but almost worse because I was physically there yeah did you deal with it differently when you were on your own compared to when you were back at uni or did you even deal with it at the time uh, I'm a very good um bottle it up person um and 
because I mentioned at the start, I'm not really not really a crier, which I'm not sure particularly helps in this kind of scenario. Um, I, I'm, I mean, God, aren't we all? I'm pretty bad at being vulnerable. Um, <laughs> um, so I really had to learn how to ask for help when I came back to uni, you know, because I looked the same. I was still the same personality, but like I needed way more help. Um, and you know my close friends were 100% there for me so it was just asking for help um, and being surrounded by people so when I did feel okay to go for a coffee or go on a night out or whatever there were always people there to do that with. Was it hard for you to ask for help? Yes (laughs) Um, yeah Um, and you know I still struggle with this now sometimes like it's like you don't really know what you're asking for you know, but particularly with mental health stuff, like, you know, like, oh, you need to tell me if you're feeling down, ask for help. And I'm like, I don't even know how I feel. I don't, I'm, and I'm, I'm not a cry, cry about your emotions kind of person. So I don't, that works for loads of people, but like, I just don't want that. Um, so it's then kind of hard to ask for help. Do you think that's sort of a, society thing as in people don't know how to ask for help I think some people are better at others I think it's I think it's kind of harder I think often it is very personal right we all have our personal reasons why often comes down to pride that we don't want to ask for help sometimes it's you don't know with mental health it's often you don't know that you need the help like because it's going on in your own head right so I'm you know I'm like oh now I'm dealing with it fine and suddenly it comes crashing down and everyone's like you should have asked for help you just think you can manage, think you can manage and you don't want to bother people, right? Like at uni or like now working, everyone is so busy. Everyone has their separate lives. You don't, the classic phrase, you don't want to be a burden. <laughs> um, and it's not even in a self-pitying way. It's just like, cool, I can do it myself. I don't need the help. Um, so I think, yeah, it's kind of hard. I think that kind of British stiff upper lip kind of cultural thing is definitely fading out fast um but yeah and I think there's a huge amount of awkwardness around mental health still so yeah I don't know and I almost feel like sometimes some of the chat around it now can be quite I'm gonna say trivialized um I don't know it just kind of almost makes me not want to ask for help sometimes yeah I think I understand where you're coming from with that yeah 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 that sort of a barrier how have you gone about asking for help um I like again as a very independent person I like figuring out first what it is that I can do for myself um so always 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 have like my close friends around me identified so if I'm feeling really um down or feeling a bit weird I will always reach out to one of them just to be like in tears two at the minute in London do you want to go on a walk um like do you want to go grab a coffee um just you know doing something um or like do you want to get away this weekend just something like that and then the thing that I find most helpful now is um like having a list of things that I know chill me out so um just even things like getting into bed early turning on fairy lights lighting a candle reading a book um or like going on a walk going on a run having like a nice bath making some nice food watching your favorite trashy netflix show 
you know, like whatever it is. Um, and like just finding that time to reset, I think that's really helpful. And then if after trying to recharge, it's not working, um, then yeah, just re reaching out to those people that also a lot of these people have known me since my accident. So like I'm infinitely better than I was, but therefore like I feel completely comfortable with them. So we'll just reach out to be like, do you want to come watch a movie or something? It sort of stems from an increased self-awareness at the start of what's triggering you and then what you can put in place. And I guess sort of like you having that autonomy and that control over it. Yeah, and I think also realising the limits of your own control over it because, you know, like I'm super hardworking, very organised, very driven, but I'm still just a person and mental health isn't logical. So I can tick all those boxes and do all those things and like, People can be like, you're smashing it. You're doing amazingly. And then for absolutely, it's happened this week, right? My life's going really well at the minute. And then suddenly I feel awful. But like, you've done it all, right? So it's also realising sometimes that you then have got to acknowledge that you don't feel great. Do all those like self-care things that you've outlined that help. And just kind of just wait for it to pass. How much of it would you say is sort of balancing? And I mean, on a personal level, I know that you've, sort of push as far as the limit <laughs> of being driven and and sort of burning out and then it's only once you've Don't overstepped out. <laughs> <laughs> it's only once you've overstepped that that you actually realize how have you been handling that especially while you've been working as well because I think at uni it's it's different um yeah it, it is it is very different I was like because uni is really hard um and I was like oh like you know like getting into work will be so much easier you've got your well nine to five which is never quite nine to five and then you get your weekends off but like it's yeah it's super um super challenging can you please we asked me that question because I've just gone blank <laughs> yeah um okay, so, just the last bit just to prompt me uh what was I saying oh how do I deal oh, with the burnout you, yeah and like how do you push that limit of doing too much even when it's when it's all going really well and you sort of overstep that mark a little bit yeah no I think it's kind of difficult because even I find even when I burn out can look back and be like wow I've done a lot of stuff probably should have known but like you feel so great in the moment and like you can do it um I think the hardest thing that I'm having to learn and do I learn it probably not is that you know you need you've got loads of time to dedicate to sport um you know like you have so much so many so much else on but like if you want to spend four or five hours a day training you probably can in working life with what end up being super long days and often having to work some evenings and some weekends you can't and realizing that sport is how I cope with my mental health it's something that I enjoy and therefore it is more of a hobby, even if you do it seriously. I think that's been the hardest thing to adjust to, particularly having done eventing to such a high level and me thinking sport was going to be my life. And sport is my life now, but in a very different capacity. Um, and I think that's pretty hard, you know, like always getting out in the evening on a run or whatever, or first thing in the morning really helps. But if I'm being hammered by work, and have loads of other stresses on 
adding in another stressor of exercise means that I do always <laughs> do always burn out but equally it's the thing that really helps with your mental health so it's I hate the word balanced because <laughs> that work-life balance or whatever balance it does not exist it's a constant art um and it changes also particularly I live with fatigue so that changes sometimes multiple times in a day you know like what I did yesterday could have worked perfectly but if I try to do something similar today I could be really tired so um yeah I think it's just kind of being a bit more forgiving of yourself and 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 I found that trying to think about things as stressors so like your sleep your food um social stress just mental health sport exercise um work whatever it is all of those things act as stressors on your body and on your energy levels so if all you're doing is just putting more of those things on even if you're saying that some of those help you then like there's only ever going to be one that you're always going to run that battery flat so like hence with the like the reading and the walking and just like filled evenings with friends those are meant to help recharge yourself but it doesn't always work (laughs) (laughs) so two things I think that would you say that it's been quite hard where sport used to be your sort of go-to and now it's become your escape so it's gone from not being your purpose necessarily but being the key part in your life to now being a taking on a secondary role even if that's just as important as the first yeah, yeah yeah exactly that's spot on it's so difficult and I never admit to myself how hard I find it because like as I said my whole life has always been organized around sport and suddenly now you don't have that I think that's also part of the reason that my mental health then slid so fast was I've always had so much structure and discipline through sport suddenly you don't have that kind of timetable and all of those things that you're aiming for um your life isn't consumed by it anymore that's an awful lot of freedom and stuff to think about um which I really struggled with and yeah and and you know the simple matter of the fact is is that even still now I never feel better than when I'm I've had like a good session and knowing that that's only ever just a kind of as you say almost like an escape so like even still now some of the training sessions that I have are some of my highlights of the week and I feel amazing but then it can only ever be what like an hour in the evening on a Monday because you've got all of these other things or sometimes you have to cancel um sport things because you've got too much work on yeah okay so jumping back because I really wanted to ask this but um, <laughs> do you think that burnout's always a negative if in the moment when you don't realize you're burning out it's a positive I'm gonna gonna give the classic political answer it depends who we're talking about it depends what the context is (laughs) um burnout is a super bad thing as someone that I mean now I still probably burn out probably like at least once a year probably twice a year but like I've had some super serious burnouts in the past it is so bad to empty everyone's like your body but it's your brain right you've exhausted your brain so much that it's at absolute rock bottom that it makes your body shut down that is so dangerous particularly for someone that's had a head injury that's really dangerous um 
and I don't like in working life now for like grads coming in burnout is almost seen as like a glamorous thing it's like it shows you're working hard enough and it's almost something to strive for which sounds really counterintuitive but that is certainly in the field that I work in that's very much the pattern so burnout isn't a good thing I think it's about it's so boring because you just you don't want to do this but it's being mindful beforehand like I have to plan out my days and often kind of semi-plan out my weeks before before they happen so like every evening before I go to bed I plan out all the work that I'm doing the next day if it looks really heavy on work and on exercise I have to fit in naps or fit in things that are gonna like chill me out um and then know that cool I've had a really busy day I feel kind of tired or I feel really tired for no reason I need to go out and do like a chill 8k rather than go and do sprints which again when you feel so great in the moment and you know that those hard sessions make you feel so good I'm awful at saying no to them um but yeah I did but burnout is burnout is not a good thing um and that feeling of how good exercise makes you feel I think we're so addicted to the fact of the hard sessions and that buzz that you get from them is unreal, but you can still get a pretty strong buzz from those sessions when they're a bit easier. Um, and actually my coach said it to me um, last night and it really hit home. It is so easy to make a session hard. You could kill yourself in two minutes, but it's so much harder to have the restraint to be like, Oh, I could run it an extra couple of paces faster, but like why? that's kind of the easy option and it will exhaust you um and then yeah I got to the end of the run yesterday not feeling like I worked that hard but felt felt great and then I could you know get a full day's work done today um yeah oh I love how you talk about exercise basically as a drug right there (laughs) (laughs) it's great (laughs) it is though isn't it because it's so addictive and this is where for me it gets dangerous is that I can have an addictive personality on these things and suddenly then you know you feel so great so you get carried away and I do it all the time like I'm gonna go out for like a chill 5k because I'm tired but you feel amazing and suddenly then I get back and I'm like done 15k and then and then then you feel (laughs) awful the next day and you're like oh it's happened again oh cool I might do some yoga and that'll turn into some kind of strength and then I'll go to the gym and like you know so it's (laughs) It is also a fine line. <laughs> some restraint. <laughs> yeah. What is that? You need as much help with that. <laughs> Do you ever resent your your accident? Yeah, I know it's a tough one, right? I think I've spent a huge amount of my life since my accident. So that was in 20, oh, 2015. 2015. Um, spent a huge amount of my life resenting it right and not being a victim like oh how could this happen to me but like it changed my life so much I was going for GB under 21 I just finished my first year at uni like everything socially everything in all aspects of my life I was like this is it like my life's going to be really good and then suddenly you know I don't have any memory of the accident or being in hospital for a few weeks and then I couldn't walk eat talk you name it and then, you know, to go from one end to the other is really like 
obviously, obviously yeah. that left me with a huge amount of mental scars. Um, and then it's been a gradual thing of letting it go, you know, like processing it um, because it was such a psychological thing as well as obviously like neuro issues and stuff and had such a huge effect on my life that I've only really been able to process that stuff really actually in the last year. So it took what, nearly four years to get to that point. And now I don't resent, obviously I wish it didn't happen, um, but you know, like I, would, I wouldn't have met you for one, um, you know, like they're just, you know, I would never have done triathlon. Um, I very much, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done my masters. So then I wouldn't be in the career that I am now. Um, I probably wouldn't be living in London. Like there are just so many things not to be thankful for, but like, you know, positives that came out of a bad situation. Um, and like that, you know, my accident of course does still affect me. Um, I can still every couple of months have like night terrors. Um, you know, I still suffer with mental health, not that badly anymore. Um, I'm pretty lucky. And obviously like neurosymptoms can still you know remind me so it's always there it's always in my mind um because like but you've got to learn to live with it and also someone said this to me like because I always was like oh there's like pre-accident Sophie accident Sophie and then Sophie now and they were like that completely undermines the fact that those three people are the same person which you are now so you've got through all of that stuff and are doing all the stuff you are now despite it because of it like you know um and I find now you know people meeting me would have absolutely no idea and that's incredibly empowering and I guess you like you say you wouldn't you wouldn't be the person that you are today if it wasn't for that happening either yeah yeah exactly um yeah I think it makes you realize what you're capable of um and also what you want from life I was always like career, 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 um, sport, that's all I need. And all of those things, they're all quite superficial goals, if that makes sense, you know, like no no emotions. Um, And yeah, it's just kind of made me reassess actually what you want from life. And yeah, it's great that you're achieving all these things. I kind of feel nothing when you achieve them because like you feel like great, like a bit of a buzz and then it's back to normal life the next day like onto the next one just like constantly searching for that next bit of validation yeah exactly rather than just like being in the moment and enjoying yeah enjoying life a bit more so you said that after your um accident you got back on the road was that sort of did you feel like you needed to prove to yourself for closure that you could do that or was it sort of just you felt like that was the next thing because riding was all you had done bit of both again like I said at the start like I knew I could do it that exercise mental resilience thing doesn't matter how hard things are you know you can achieve it so again maybe it was the easy option I think it would have been harder to not go back but for me it was more I had so much so many horrible memories of everything immediately after my accident so it was in like immediately after meaning like the months after that 
I was running away from all of that feeling and I kind of thought by going back to eventing it would just again undo it all right that I'd go back to pre-accident Sophie but also I love proving people wrong but I hate people talking about me whether positive or negative I hate it and you know as, as much as people thought that I wasn't aware I could tell everyone would be like oh she should be too scared to you know she had a really serious accident but I was never scared because I didn't remember it um and I don't like people trying to limit me you know like you know what your own limits are and I know what my own strengths are so then other people being like nah she'll be too scared or like she won't be as good or whatever it was if I'm honest it was more and I think it's a really unhealthy thing to admit but like it was more to prove that I could not to myself I knew I could um but to everyone else and to try and make people happy right like my accident for me I lived with all of the horrible fallout for the months years later but that like immediate fallout of the actual accident and the couple of months after affected my friends and family um, hugely. And I, do I feel guilty about it now? No, because it wasn't my fault. But guilt was one of my redeeming feelings after my accident. So a way of me, why did I want to get back to my pre-accident self was to make everyone else feel better. So I was driven by that Um to get back and also like as you say it was a huge part of my life so it was a, it, it wasn't even a question like of course if I was physically able to I was going to get back to it and did you walk away from it feeling like feeling happy with what you had done afterwards or did you feel like there's always more I still feel super flat about it um because again you've worked so 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 hard and I was so running myself into the gra- ground to achieve all those things I and I didn't want to think about emotions, but not really many emotions were connected with it. So like I got back to eventing, I raised loads of money and awareness. Um, the sport now has a self-insurance package for riders, which it didn't before. Um, I did lots of really good stuff like that coming back um, and helped a lot of people. But yeah, I don't know. I never really felt like I, achieved that much and you know riding was so good for my neuro rehab because of all of the coordination and I guess because it was at a much lower level I was on a just like a, a normal horse and yeah whereas the one before was like a superstar so that was very different um and then yeah as I said I got the I got the opportunity to get a young horse that was gonna be really good um but then, yeah, but then kind of didn't. So, like, it wasn't quite the same because it wasn't the same level of adrenaline because it wasn't the same level. Um, I think it was important for myself and for the situation that I was in that I did it. Yeah. What did I gain from it? I'm not too sure. And so how was that? Because recently you started riding again. Yeah. How is going from competing and all of that to doing it just for the enjoyment again was that hard yeah um it was I classic coaching technique I don't know what to do I'm gonna cut it off <laughs> um I don't want to think about it <laughs> people event whatever I just don't, don't want to deal with it um and you know that was that's that's always been my coping mechanism 
and I thought it worked really well and it was actually my um housemate in London um I was kind of like how dare she speak to me about this but she was bang on and like yeah I yeah I love her for saying this she was like I think it's she was like I think it's really sad that you don't ride anymore and I was like what do you mean and she was like it was your life look at how happy you are when you talk about it like I still look at those of the old photos because I just some pretty huge events and it, I can still replay in my mind some of those cross-country rounds from those really big events and just yeah that adrenaline rush and that feeling and all of that I'm just nothing's ever going to be comparable for me and she was like I just think it's really sad that you don't do it anymore like it's really unhealthy that you've cut out a huge chunk of your life like what is you and I was like yeah but I've done it for all of these reasons <laughs> conversation over um <laughs> And it, it just really sat, it really sat with me. Um, and then I was, yeah, I kind of reached out when I went home, put some people around that still had horses. There's someone that I know that lives near London that had horses. I was just kind of like, you know, like no pressure, but like, I'd love to. So kind of doing it for fun, enjoying it. It's a fine line because I'd rather, I do that like, what, like max once a month. And that's really nice. But if I started doing it every week, I'd, I'd get obsessive <laughs> and I'd want to get back. You know, like I had my first jump lesson a couple of months ago um, with a friend and I was super duper rusty. Um, but like, and it immediately got me thinking, she was like, you know, there's a very nice horse here that like you could ride. And I was like, oh, I could get back to eventing. I could do this. And like, I just don't think that's what I need it to be anymore. But yeah, like, it's just so that's 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 what my aim of all of this getting back to it now has been is just to enjoy it again like I I, I did all the riding because I loved it I got so much joy from competing and just riding so it's nice to have that back in some degree yeah would you say that before you were still sort of searching for the pre-accident so like that is what what you were trying to get back to yeah that's literally because you don't want to think about it too much right like I loved my life before my accident I didn't want it's a control thing either like you don't remember this accident that happened to you you didn't choose for this to happen and for it to change your life in so many ways so it's a no-brainer I'm getting back to how it was before but like <laughs> it doesn't matter you know like I'm I'm still the same person but like you can't literally reverse time um and I'm not sure that it's helpful because once you've been through something negative but also life still goes on right so you have all your normal life experiences in the meantime you know even for you like you're not going to be the same person today as you were six months ago does that so, take a lot to get used to or to accept yeah as a control freak that has been very hard um but actually now it's super freeing. Like I just feel like a massive weight's off my shoulder because again, you're striving for something that you can never achieve because you can't turn back time. But also like you're then limiting yourself because if I'm just trying to get back to 20 year old Sophie, who <laughs> would be absolutely smashed every night at timepiece, <laughs> I just don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's a, um, I don't think that's a great benchmark for me to try and for... yeah I think that's also like regardless of whether you've had an accident or not going from 
like uni is when you grow up and like the changes that you go through from leaving home at 18 or whatever and coming to uni to then leaving like I don't know you don't realize it yourself but if you went back and spoke to someone that you went to school with yeah probably completely different people yeah but I think you know it's like you've just said like we all changed so much at uni I've changed a hell of a lot in the last year of working that you know, there's so much that you can and can't control. So it's kind of what I said at the start, it's about realizing your place in the world and that, yeah, sure, you can control the things that make you feel good and whatever, but you can't control the external, well, as the pandemic shows, you can't change, you can't control the external world from happening. You know, you're still gonna get hit with opportunities, threats, good things, bad things, normal, boring things, whatever it is, that all these things are still gonna go on. So I think it's just realizing that you're just one person and as much as we want our lives to be perfect, I think perfection does not exist. You know, like, I, so I get this loads where um, my career has gone super well so far and people will, from the outside will be like, you're living the dream. Like, this is amazing. Like, you're literally like, this is just incredible. And you're like, yeah, no, like, this is, um, I feel very lucky. This is really great. But also, you know, I still... And they <laughs> fell over walking down the street. I still um, cried at an advert. I still, you know, like whatever it is, you know, like trivial things, serious things, whatever. Like externally, you can look in on someone's life and be like, they've got, they've got it together. Like they're doing so well. Like you know, like I can still, even still now, sometimes I get really jealous of when I see on classic on Strava people still at uni or post-uni from triathlon doing more training than me or different things or faster or further or whatever but like that's that's not helpful you know I can be like oh my god look Seamus is achieving x y and z and doing all of these cool things so then your life looks like great but like you're still you're still a human being you know like I get trying to shake those kind of superficial and really outdated expectations of like what your life should and shouldn't be, which we kind of do, we impress upon ourselves as well. And social media has made it a hell of a lot worse, but like, I don't know, yeah, like with social media, I in I go through times where I like stop myself from going on Instagram or I'll post stories and look at people's stories, but I won't scroll through the feeds because like, I'm then suddenly like, oh my God, I don't have, washboard abs I'm not this I'm not that but like in what world am I meant to be those things you know but like it you still take the time and I've become very preoccupied with the fact that I haven't done 15 triathlons and you know run a PB split or whatever it is but like I could achieve those things would it make me happy and I've actually really found that now since going to the gym loads more um and investing in a PT I'm getting way more toned I'm getting stronger but like that doesn't change who I am if that makes sense yeah. and everyone was like oh like don't strive for those superficial goals and you know like you asking me like what is exercise to me I think this has all helped me realize that like you can strive for those superficial goals but like it doesn't actually change who you are and I feel like so much of the time myself the world whatever becomes preoccupied with what you do rather than who you are 
but it is you know kind of what my accident showed me as well like you can achieve all these things but like life still goes on days are still going by if you're not happy you know like I can look back I've I've really enjoyed the last year and there are elements of the last five years that have been great so I have a lot of good memories in there but the resounding thing was that I was miserable and that's what four years of my life that there were loads of good things in there but the redeeming feature was not great that's four years of your life that you're not going to get back and as I say at every single stage over the last five years I've been like I'm better I feel like this is as good as I'm going to get it's kind of yeah letting go of the control um and again because I'm in the fortunate position I can do that now I couldn't do that before and I was constantly hammering myself to get better in every single way you can think of and that completely like yeah that 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 was the kind of driver for my life and it actually probably made me more ill and probably really contributed to my mental health um but now just being able to kind of take a pause and just be like cool where am I going with my life and I think that's super important is just taking taking a bit of time to and I actually think I hate the pandemic as everyone does lockdown is not suiting my personality but like I mean whose is it to be fair but like it has been really helpful in making me pause um we always want to be so busy right we're always training we're always seeing people we're always in fun things it's that, that, that I love being busy but I realized part of the reason that I always wanted to be that busy was because I was running away from I didn't want to feel anything and I was scared to stop and I was really scared to spend time by myself I was always doing something sociable I was never by myself um and that's exhausting and also just not healthy yeah did you realize that at the time I mean, probably, I mean, mainly only now looking back, but also like, <laughs> I'm also not stupid and everyone would be like, so if you're killing yourself, would you slow down? I'd go, no, 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 because I can and because I want to, I want to make the most of life, like blah, blah, like, you know, you, you want to do it. It makes you feel good. You know, like the exercise thing, it makes you feel good. But also I, I knew I was always running away from things, but I was too scared to, to face up to them. And I wasn't able to at that point. So like, would I have done anything differently? You know, plenty of professional people were also telling me that's what I was doing. And I was like, that's great, but so what? Because I wasn't in the position to be able to stop. So I think it's also being mindful of where you are in your life, you know? So like, would I have had this moment of realization three years ago? No, but not because I wasn't aware that I needed it, but that I wasn't able to. Yeah. So for this episode, we'll leave it there. But um, next time we'll pick up from here and talk more about what this means for Sophie now, as well as some more direct questions from me. But until then, take care. Thank you.